Anyway, all right. We should get into a message. Oh, 11.03. I've got an hour. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's warm. I just saw one particular pair of eyes. What you can't see is the two holes going burning through my chest at the moment. All the way the back. Um, I want to ask a question. When it comes to church, church, when it comes to Mount Clear Church of Christ, when it comes to church, um, and I'll, I'll keep reiterating this as long as I can remember over the next six to 12 months, if this is about us now seeing, if God's doing something in our spirit, when it comes to our church and our family, what do we see? What do we actually see? Um, many years ago, I, I shared what I saw, and I want to share it again before, before I speak. And I, I shared this probably, wow, five years ago, I think. And I wrote then, and I said then, and I say now, I see a church where people can come and be planted in the house. I see a church where people can come and grow in the Lord. I see a church where people can come and discover their authentic and original design. I see a church where people can come and grow in friendship and in true relationship. I see a church where people can come and find family. By the way, Stephen, thank you for stealing my sermon. I see a church where the overflow of whose we are and who we are overflows and changes the community around us. I see a church where we do life with Father God and with each other. I see a church that brings glory to his name. Mount Clear Church of Christ to engage with our God, his church, believers and his people, those that don't yet know him. Yeah. In other words, I see a family. So if I'm to, if I'm to 2019 it, I see a family that's in community. I see a family that extends grace. Yeah? That's what I see when I think of our church and our families. What I see when I think of the kingdom, but it's what I see when I think of us. So that's how I see. I see community. Now, I've been, I don't know if I've been privileged or punished, but over the last couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity because the boys are home to spend some additional time with them. You know? Um, and uh, my, my boys are so excitingly easy to take care of. They never argue. They're not competitive. They never yell. They're never boisterous. They never challenge you. They are just perfect. They're non-existent, actually, in fact. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, I, and particularly this week, um, I've had the privilege of watching my boys just hang out with some friends. Yeah? But because of birthdays, because of holidays... Um, and while the boys are home, Mel and I often tag team with our time. So if Mel's at the church working, well, then I'll be at home with the boys, all that sort of jazz, you know. And I've, I've watched Samuel and Nathan interact and play with some of their friends. And, and it's funny because they're all different. Some of their friends are quieter, some are louder, yeah. Some, some are boys, some are girls, some are really mischievous. Some are a little bit younger, some are a little bit older. They're, they're all different, yeah. They're, they're totally a mixed bag of mixed lollies, yeah? all, all mixed up together. And yet they actually love playing together. They really have fun when they're playing together. They, ha they have a, a stack of fun. And depending on who's there, you, you just watch how the day plays out, you know? Who goes with who, who stays together, what they do, what they don't do, who's willing to try something, you know, all that sort of jazz. Um, but they loved playing together. And what I, what I noticed was that as my boys played with their friends, as they actually hung out all together, 
Believe it or not, my boys were better. They were actually better. Like, it was, don't go home. You stay here with my boys. Forget your mum and dad. They don't exist. You belong here. You know, I found a way to control my children through other children that are being well behaved because their parents aren't around. It's so funny when someone has my kids, they go, wow, your boys are so well behaved. It's like, yes, they are here (laughs) at the moment, your moment, this moment. You know, they played Xbox, they went outside, they played basketball, they jumped in our small pool, they threw water balloons, um, they played more Xbox, they just did stuff, you know. And they they even watched movies, they rode the bikes, they rode the scooters, They, 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 they had fun. This eclectic group of mixed lollies had fun, yeah. And I'd imagine you all know, if anybody owns an Xbox or has children that play any of that sort of stuff and you're on the other end of our microphones in our home, listening in your home, you'll know that my boys are competitive. Yeah? You know. They, they have a term in, in gaming world when a child has a moment. It's called raging. <laughs> they rage often. I'm now starting to say, Nathan, if you rage again, it's off. No more raging, right? Because they just, you know, this game overcomes them, you know? And they can argue with each other, but when their friends were there, they seemed to play better. They argued less. They actually argued less. They still argued. I'm not saying they didn't argue. You only got to ask Lockie Davidson. They still argued. (laughs) But they played better together. And it seems to me that being with their friends brought out the best in them, yeah? Yeah? So here's my thought. I can't help but think that that's exactly what we're meant to experience in the life of the local church. Yeah, that being with others, an eclectic mixed bag of lollies, may actually bring out the very best in us. Yeah? Better language is, you know, in the life of our community and family, what do you see? Do you see a struggle? Because so-and-so... It's going to be at church, or do you see it as an opportunity for the best you to be the best you for everybody else around you? Yeah. You know, is Sunday just a gathering that we have to attend, or is it a gathering that you look forward to because you know it's going to bring out the best in you? Yeah. I love looking at the disciples because they were they were an eclectic bunch. They were a rowdy bunch. They were fishermen. Believe it or not, they would have sworn. How do I know that? Because you ever been on a fishing boat, fishermen swear. I don't think it's changed in 2,000 years. I don't think they've become worse. I actually just think it's a general progression as life goes on, yeah? There's this, this rowdy bunch that are fishermen, they're brothers, they're thieves, they're tax collectors. And, and, and Jesus brings 12 completely different people all together. They should have been punching each other's heads in. I'm better than you. I want to be closer to Jesus. Get stuffed. He likes me more. That's what it would have been like, believe it or not. But in there, you know, with, with their particular language, um, not our Western society vulgar language, I'm sure. They were just ordinary people like you and me, but they were all very different, yeah? Exceptionally different. Different cultures, different upbringings, yeah? Different backgrounds. Yet like my boys when they're with their friends, they manage to come together and do life together and somehow they brought the best out in each other. 
Yeah, didn't they? They brought the best out in each other. See, for me, the interesting thought is that when you think of the disciples, none of them were perfect. They just weren't perfect. And, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times. He certainly wasn't perfect. Some of them had faith. Think about it. Peter walks on water. The other 11 stayed in the boat. Now, if I saw you walking on water, there wouldn't have been enough time for you to walk towards Jesus and start drowning. I would have thought, if he's walking on water, I want to walk on water. I would have jumped out. So he's one man who steps out in faith. The others, they have no faith. Then you've got some of them that have got all this faith and have no doubts, and you've got somebody else that's totally doubting, unless I see the holes in Jesus' hands. Yeah, They were an absolute mixed bag. Think about it. Think about how angry... Some of them must have been if they were the sons of thunder. Yeah? Now, that's not about flatulence, boys and girls. Yeah? Right? They were angry, angry men that God brought together. Yeah? They were impulsive, they were emotional. Peter cuts off an ear. You know? Think about it. Someone comes to the church. Who knows, you know, for whatever reason, and they're going off their nut. So Lyndon jumps up, he grabs this extra because he keeps it here just in case, sharpened drumstick, and he just runs out and he slices the man's ear off. They're an emotional bunch of people that Jesus all put together. And stay away from that particular drumstick. Some were confused, you know. We know we've been with you for some time, but you've been... How is it that the waves actually even listen to you? Who are you, you know? Like, like, who's this man? They had issues. They had problems like we all do. But like my boys, they were together every day and they welcomed each other into each other's homes every day and the best in them brought out the best in everyone. Yeah? I love Luke 10, verse 1. It says... The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and the places he planned to visit. Have you ever wondered why the Lord did this? I know why we do today. It's for accountability. You know what I mean? Like you can't, I, I can't even give a girl a lift home. Someone's stuck here, a parent forgets, a parent says, listen, can you give her a lift home? I look around, there's no one else that can jump in my car. I'm sorry, no, I can't. It, like it just goes against common sense. It really does. I understand why we can't, but it's ridiculous that we can't. Yeah. So I understand why we do it today, but why, why did Jesus do it? See, for me, may, maybe the whole reason is the same as we've seen with my boys and their friends and with the 12 disciples. Maybe, though different, the reason he sends them two by two is because now they're focused on each other and not on themselves. Maybe it's because the priority becomes the person that's with you and not just yourself. Though you're from different upbringings, the best in you can bring the best out in each other. Maybe that's why he sent them out two by two. Though from different cultures, they can become friends. Maybe, just maybe, the whole reason Jesus did it like this was so that they could experience life together in community as family rather than just on their own, yeah? Our ups, our downs, a chance to get to know one another. It's just a thought. Particularly along the lines, if I see a church where people can come and be planted in the house, they can grow in the Lord, can discover their authentic design, can grow in friendship and true relationship, can't do things alone, 
if that's the type of church that you see, yeah, can come and find family where because of who you are and whose you are, it changes the community around you. That means you can't be alone. Yeah? Where we do life with Father God and life with each other. I said, to, I said last week at church, but also said just this morning to Ryan, there's sometimes in life where we go through stuff and, and often in Western culture, we, we actually don't let our guard down. You know, we build relationship, we build friendship. Um, but even for those that are closest to us, we actually don't always allow them to see the real us, to know the real struggle, to see the real hurt, to see the doubts. Yeah? And so often we can keep those things as a secret between us and God that really never get dealt with because... If you make God a promise, you can go back and say, look, sorry, God, I know I wasn't going to do that, but I did it again. I'm really sorry. I promise I'm not going to do it. It seems to have more power when you, when you voice it. <laughs> but what I've been sharing lately is, and what I've come to discover is that in family, in community, for those of us that are going through stuff, that are carrying stuff, we actually deserve here. This is how special you are, we are. We deserve to have somebody walk closely to us and with us, carrying our burdens, carrying our struggles, journeying with us in life. We actually deserve to have someone there that will do that for us. And in fact, if you're part of a family, as part of the family, I deserve to be able to come. And, and this is for you too, yeah? You deserve to be able to get along with someone and to carry their burdens, and to be there for them. That's how family operates. We actually deserve each other. Yeah, That's how it works. See, I see a family that, and I love the communion message, that's in community. You know, What do we see in 2019? I see a, a group of people gathering together in community. And some of us call it family. And some Christmases you have all of the family together, and some Christmases you have a quieter smaller encounter because some are somewhere else yeah but still family it's always family i see family i love the example that stephen was alluding to with christmas at christmas it's all about getting together you know mixed bag of eclectic lollies yeah coming together in unity in family to celebrate jesus so when you think of the church what do you see what do you see so i see what the church is and I see what it could be. And what could it be? An eclectic group of people from different walks of life, different families, different cultures. You know, some cultures, when you talk mashed potato, they make it out of a packet. What's that? Yeah? When you're talking sauce for your pasta, they get it in a jar. Like, hello, it comes from a tomato plant that you cook over hours with basil and other herbs and spices. Hello? Different cultures. Coming together with one focus, that's Jesus. And it's where the best of us brings out the best in each other. Yeah, Because that's what we offer. That's what we bring to the table. It's com that's community in action. It's where we do life together every day in family. And see, the disciples were able to put aside all of their differences and journey closely and intimately together. And I actually believe, Papa, that Father God desires for the church and its people to do the same. I really believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. I just believe that God didn't create this thing called the bride so that we could walk together without really knowing each other. Yeah? 
Fortunately for us, our minds think really well. And so when I want to walk, my, left foot know, my right foot knows my left foot's moving and then my right foot knows when to move because the left foot's not. Yeah, That's how a family works together. Unfortunately, some of the church works like we've got MS. We know how it should work, but it actually just doesn't. Does that make any sense to anybody? Yeah. See, I see a church where people can come and find family to journey closely and intimately together, laying aside all our differences. I'm talking all of our differences. Do you know, I've forgiven you all, you tea drinkers. You know? Actually, you know what was really sad the other day? I've got to share it because if I don't share it, she will and then it'll get out. But um, Janine came the other day to pick up her kids from our place after they had helped keep my children well behaved. And as she walked in the door, I said, hi, Janine, how are you? She goes, I'm really good, thanks. How, how was everyone? Yeah, they were all great. I said, Janine, would you like a cup of tea? Now, she just looked at me strangely. I said, I'm really sorry, and I'm holding a small cup. I said, I've just finished the last of my coffee. Yeah, so I did offer someone a tea. I had to forgive myself later. I bought coffee the following day. I, I never want to go there again. I'm confessing it to you now, for it may cause me to stumble and sin somewhere down the track. Yeah? Family does stuff together. It's where we journey together. It's where we find family. 2 Timothy 1.9, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, because this was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. See, before the beginning of the time, it was his plan, as he shows us his grace, to actually bring us back into family. Everything he did was family. His plan before time wasn't to defeat sin. That wasn't his plan. His plan before time was to bring us back into family. And as a consequence, and for that to happen, he needed to deal with sin. And so he's dealt with sin. The question of sin has been dealt with at the cross. But that wasn't his design and his plan. His plan was always to bring you back, the thing that was lost, back into family, back into relationship. He loves you more than he hates sin. Yeah? Because as a parent, I love my child more than I hate the stuff that you know, they might get caught up in. It's my, my love for them that has me chasing them and making sure they're okay. It's the same with Father God. So... Before the beginning of the time, it was his plan to give us what we didn't deserve, and that's a seat at his table. We don't deserve a seat at his table. Yet Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, the emphasis here is the word prepare. It actually means to make ready beforehand. He has prepared it. Even before you said yes to Jesus, he prepared a place for you at his table. That's pretty exciting. And he does that for everyone. All we have to do is accept Jesus. And so it was Papa that brought you and I together. And, and here's a thought for you, right? <laughs> he's the one that brought you all to Mount Clear Church of Christ. Yeah? However you got here, however we got here, whoever is here, it was Father God that planned before the beginning of the time. It was his plan for you to be here. So when you look at Mount Clear Church of Christ, when you look at this year, when you look at it out ahead, what do you see? What do you see? He knew where we would be, when we would be, from different places and locations, different nationalities. It was always his plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It doesn't say, for I think I have a plan for you, says the Lord. It doesn't say that. Says he knows, he knows. So he knew you were going to be here. 
that's really strange. Let's think of any church, right? Think, think of any church. And for me, every church is an awesome church. I look at it because I like AFL. I look at it like the AFL. We've got 18 teams all playing for the one cup, but we all have a favourite team, yeah? And they all play the game under its rules, but differently. Church is the same. We're all focused on the same God, aiming for the same thing, all doing it the way that we feel as though is the best way for us to do it. And we all have a favourite. So my favourite happens to be Mount Clear Church of Christ. But think of it, just think of it like this for a moment. If he knew that you were going to be here, and it was his plan for you to be here, imagine, imagine when you're not happy with where you're at. It's so good, isn't it? Take that up with him. I really don't like where I'm at because this person said this. This person did that. The pastor, the worship leader, the drummer. Don't tell them. He knew you were going to be here. He set it up. Whatever church, whether it's Anglican, Catholic, Apostolic, Church of Christ, AOG, doesn't matter wherever you are, and you're not happy, take it up with him because it was his plan for you to be there. Yeah. His plan. I got saved in a church that was an independent Pentecostal church that, hear me, is, was and it still is, as far as I'm concerned, cultish. Cultish. But it was his plan for me to be there because it was there that I was saved. It was there that I understood discipleship. It was there that I understood all to Jesus I surrender. It was there that I understood don't put your hand to the plough and turn back because you're not fit for the kingdom. It was there that I learned that if I'm going to do this for God, I've got to do this for God. It was his plan. So if I wasn't happy there, it shouldn't be because I didn't like the way I was treated. It should be like, it like that should be the reason, but I should be taking it up with God. God, why am I here? And because he's going to tell you why you're there. You know, I just think it's a really interesting thought. If you're unhappy with a place, don't take it up with the place. Take it up with God. He put you there. Like seriously. It's like family. Now, let's see how honest you all can be. When it comes to your family, immediate, extended, put up your hand if you have at least one person that you could go without seeing. But hey, you're there, yeah? You don't have a choice. God put you in that family. He knew the one millionth sperm that you were going to be that was going to infiltrate that egg and bam, you're there in that family. Take it up with him, yeah? We're like that. That's what community's like. It's an eclectic bag of mixed lollies. So when we see our church, what do we see? What do we actually see? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, their desire is to bring us together. Here's a question. Why does God the Father create the universe? The birds, the fish, the animals, the water, the clouds, the sun, the rain, the sky. They create the entire universe. And after they do all that, then they create us. Why? Here's my really simple West Footscray upbringing, part Italian, Australian, Aussie wog boy. Here's my thought. Actually, I really enjoyed watching The Wog Boy the other day. For some of you, you may really hate that movie, but geez, it was funny. Well, it's just... Oh, I was identifying, all right? 
There are a couple of words that you can't bleep out, but I just laughed. Fortunately, that's probably not a movie I'd let Samuel watch just yet. Some of it, though. Some of it. Anyway, why, 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 why does he do it that way? It's because I believe that Father God, Papa, creates everything. The reason he created everything was then so he could share everything with us. Because he knew he was going to create us. I think he saved the best for last. That's why he created us last. So he created all of this stuff and then he gets to create man and he goes, and now I am going to share everything I've created with my creation. He created us for community and relationship with him and then wanted to share everything that he had with us. That's what I see when I think of church. He goes to so much trouble. And he does that because the goal for Daddy, the goal for Father God's community, it's family, it's to include us. It's to include us in his life. It's to include us in their life, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's to include us in everything, everything that he experiences, everything that is good, everything that is great. See, one of the lines I read was, I see a church where we do life with Father God and with each other. He wants to do life with us so that we can do life with each other. Amen? And I... I love this because I said earlier when I was 2019, my thoughts, I see a family that's in community, but I see a family that extends grace. So Luke 7, 36 to 50, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And, and, and this is just a, a side note. Whenever someone invites you to their home for something to eat, that's, a, that's an incredible honour. I love being invited to people's homes, even if I don't like your food. Yeah, <laughs> I just love hanging out with people. But when someone opens your home, it's an honour. So I share that to say when someone invites you, grab hold of it with two hands. But better still, 2019, for the church, what do you see? In, if you don't normally, consider opening your home. Coffees are great at the cafe. I love doing that. But invite someone back to your house. There's an incredible honour when you invite someone back to your home, amen? Anyway, we'll keep reading. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then, he knelt behind, uh, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So it says here, kept. In the Greek, tense, it means ongoing. It's present but it's ongoing. It's present, but it's ongoing. I often get Samuel or Nathan and I kiss them, yeah? Particularly Nathan hates it. I don't like kisses. I don't like kisses. So I keep it going because he hates it, yeah? So this woman kept it going. Jesus never stopped her. It says she kept. She kept kissing his feet. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> a side note, scary side note, Jesus answered his thoughts. Jesus answered his thoughts. Next time you look in someone, you have a thought, Jesus will answer your thoughts. Yeah? Not what you do, not what you say. Jesus answered his thoughts. So what do you see? I see a church where people can come and be planted in the house. I see a church where people can come and grow in the Lord. I see a church that accepts and extends grace. Now, 
We know because of what we just read, what the Pharisees saw. We know what the religious saw. They saw an immoral woman. How do we know that? Because the scripture tells us that she was immoral. Thank you for giving us all that information. They could have just said, and an uninvited guest came, but no, they said, and an immoral woman walked in, yeah? They give us some additional information there. So the Pharisees, they see an immoral woman, and they see this uninvited immoral woman walk into their midst and make a scene, one that they didn't get, they didn't understand. Because it says in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. He didn't know what was going on. He had no idea, no concept, no, no perception, yeah? But what do you see when a woman like that walks in? Or a person like that walks in? There's a quote from Baxter Kruger in his book called The Great Dance. Wonderful book. You really should get it. The Great Dance. Anyway, he says, It is no accident that when the Apostle Paul was grappling with the eternal purpose of God for humanity, he chose the word adoption to describe it. The basic idea of adoption is to include. Yeah? It means the one who is foreign, outside of the family circle, is drawn in in grace and love within that family circle. And the purpose of the act of adoption is so that the outsider can share in the family's life. Yeah, The Pharisees didn't like her. They didn't like how she lived. They didn't like what she did for a living. They made a judgment call and they disapproved of her. And I reckon that call, that thought, that judgment was one where they would have thrown her out. And in fact, it was one where they may have decided to just to get it. If she's in here, I'm out there. Yeah. But she needed grace. That's what Jesus saw. Yeah. He saw a child of God that needed forgiveness, a child that needed grace. And so he starts teaching the Pharisees how to see by what he says and what he does. In 2019, what do we see? Because here's a question for us How often do we act like a Pharisee? Seriously, how often do we make inner judgments and get offended because we don't approve of how someone lives? Because they don't live like us. They don't speak like us. They don't listen to the same music we do. They don't go to the same places we do. Yeah? And we make an inner judgment call. We say nothing, but Jesus answers thoughts, not words. How often have we in the past, be it in this house, be it in the community, be it wherever we're from, how often have we been pharisaical in making a judgment call, a dis disapproving of someone because we're not happy with the way that they live or what they do? Yeah? See, where people are accepted hmm, in community... When they're loved in community, when grace is extended beyond grace, even if we are disapproving but we make no judgment call, when we extend grace and love, when we extend forgiveness, then love comes on the other side. See, the person that walks in the door doesn't have to love first before we show grace and forgiveness. We have to show grace and forgiveness first to allow them to love. This woman walks in the door, yeah? 
Jesus completely accepts her. The Pharisees don't. And she has this breakout worship center with Jesus. You know, worship moment. She cracks open the bottle. She pours it on him. You know, there's all the different teachings of how much it cost, of, of how potent the smell was. Some suggest that they would have actually smelted up the street. It was so powerful, the smell. And here she is using her tears, having this moment with God, completely abandoned because she has completely been shown grace, completely forgiven. Yeah? How often... Have our judgments stopped someone being able to do that? Just to come and lay it all at Jesus' feet. You know, I'm not, I'm not, bre- please, I'm not being critical. This, this is just solely observation. Not here, I'm talking in general, yeah? How often do we make a judgment call in Christianity because we disapprove of how people live? There's a, uh, a video flying around of a particular theologian and I don't remember all of his message but he has a particular line and he says this and I, I, I really, I, I just clung to it, I, I agree with it. He says, the more I saw people step into Christianity, the more I saw them receive the love of Jesus, the less human I found that they were. Yeah? The more they experienced the love of God, the less forgiving and loving they were. Should be the other way, shouldn't it? Jesus showed grace. Jesus showed love, but it was the religious that said, you shouldn't live like that, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't speak that, you shouldn't... Up, 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 up. But the woman, because of the, Jesus' reaction, was totally loved, so she poured it out. So when we look at Ch- Mount Clear Church of Christ and what God wants to do here, who he wants to bring, who he's brought, who he has destined to come here, what do we see? Do we see what was, what should be, or do we see what he sees? I love the thought. I love how Jesus answers the thought. He says to Simon, he tells him a story. I'm going to finish with this. He says, a man loaned money, verse 41 and 42, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to another, but neither of them could reply, uh, repay him. Sorry, So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. What do you, who do you suppose loved him more after that? It's really a simple story and it's a short story. There was a debt that was... Forgiven, that could never be paid. It could never, ever be paid. Um, and, and the meaning of this story is that in Jesus' day, there, there actually was a way to pay debt. And if you owed someone money, you would actually work for them. You, know, you would go and you would live on their property. You would work for them. And in fact, not just you, your spouse as well and your kids, regardless of age, until that debt was paid. As, you know, that was, if you physically didn't have the finances, that's how you would pay that debt. And so when this man says, your debt has been forgiven, it's huge. It's, it's actually really huge. So in, in saying this, now this man says, I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm, I'm going to cancel everything that may be against you. you. You're not going to have to serve me. You're not going to have to come to my house. You're not going to do all of that. How would we react? How would we respond if that's what we received as we walk into a house, into a family, into a community, when we know that our past is forgiven? when we know that we're totally accepted, when we know that people are just going to pour out love, when we know that his grace is going to be extended because our house is a house of grace, how would we respond in that moment? You know, he, he asks Simon, who do you think is going to love more? Or who do you think is going to be more grateful? And Simon's not a stupid man, he's a smart man. And he says, I, I, suppose, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most will be 
will be the most grateful or will show the most love. And Jesus answers him and he says, that's right, that's correct, Simon. The one who's forgiven more will love much. That woman was loved much, yeah, because she was extended grace. Mount Clear Church of Christ is a family that will extend grace. We extend grace here. We do it all the time. Some don't understand that. I often have conversations with pastors in the way that we do do some things, you know, and I'm happy to share it, not on mic where it's recorded, yeah? But we often do things that others wouldn't do because we extend grace. And sometimes it's tough and sometimes it gets thrown back in your face, but sometimes it works and you see someone discovering the love of Jesus in such a way that they break the, break the alabaster jar and they don't care what's going on because they have been loved much, so they are grateful much, amen? Church should be a safe place to express your love for the Father. So in 2019, what do you see? I see a church where people come and grow in friendship and true relationship. I see a church where people can come and find family, where people can be honest and open and vulnerable, where they can be themselves, where grace is extended. You know, Daddy doesn't want a single one of his creation to feel left out. Yeah? Amen? He doesn't want any of us to feel like we don't belong or we don't fit in. He has adopted us regardless of our differences into his family. Amen? Let's be a church that is a community. Let's be a community that is a family. And let's be a family that welcomes people in, that includes people. But let's be a family that extends grace in every circumstance, in every situation, even when it's not what we would expect, yeah? Because people deserve someone to come along close with them and to walk through their stuff so they can discover the love and the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus has. And you deserve the opportunity to be Jesus for someone else, amen? Why don't we stand? He's brought us together before the beginning of time. He had a plan. And now he gives us this example of how to live. <laughs> you know, I know I've just mentioned it and we've talked about it before, but God's calling Mount Clear Church of Christ to be a church that, like him, adopts all those that walk in the doors. Yeah? And the church, when I say church, that church is you and me. It's us. It's not the walls, it's us. When we're talking about, when I talk about Mount Clear Church of Christ, I'm talking about the family, us. The best in you will bring out the best in others. You've got to hear that. The best in you will bring out the best in others. If other people's children, who in their homes are just as mischievous and competitive as my boys in my home, but when they're together, the best in them can bring out the best in them, then the best in us can bring out the best in all of us around us. Amen? Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment, if that's okay. No matter what you're going through, I just want to say it's much easier to go through it with others by your side. You deserve to have others walk with you through your stuff and the family deserves the opportunity to be there for you. People that come to Mount Clear, people that come to this place should never feel lonely or isolated. They should feel included, loved and part of family. Because that's how Daddy made us feel. He included us. He poured out his grace. And I believe this is Father's heart, and dare I say, my heart, and dare I say, it should be our heart too. Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So if the enemy can separate us from our church family 
at the very time we need them most, he can rob us of what God has in store for us. Yeah? Because God's plan for us is to share and do life together, never alone. So let's just pray for a minute, yeah? Father, I thank you for this family. Father, I thank you for the eclectic bunch of misfits that you have placed at 1185 Geelong Road, Mount Clear. God, that includes me. Please don't be offended by the word misfit. Yeah? We all don't fit. We sometimes misfit and misfire all the time, all of us. None of us are perfect. So, God, I just thank you for what you've built what you're building. I thank you for those that you've blessed and for those that you're blessing. Father, I thank you for those that have come and those that are coming. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be more and more like your son, Jesus, that we would include those that are around us. Father, I pray for times that we have those, those silent inside judgments that pop up, thoughts. Lord, we know that you answer thoughts. And Lord God, I just say, take away those thoughts. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to show grace where grace is needed. Help us to show forgiveness where forgiveness is needed. Allow us, Father, to be a people that welcome those that just want to love God and love him with their whole hearts. In 2019, Father, help us to see what you see. A church where people can come and be planted in a house. A church where people can come and grow in the Lord. A church where people can come and discover their authentic and original design, where they can grow in friendship and true relationship. Father, a church where people can find family, where they can overflow the, just what's inside them because of whose they are and who we are, Lord God, that it might overflow the community around us, a, a church, a family, a community where we do life with, with you and with each other, a one, Lord, a family that brings glory to your name that we might always engage with you, that we might always engage with those around us, that we may always engage with the people that you have, Lord, in store, Lord, and ready and purpose to come into this place into the, and into the churches of this city and this nation, Lord God. Father, may we be your people, your hands and your feet extended. Lord, help us to show grace in places to some where we've struggled in the past. Help us to love those that are unlovable, I guess, God, that are unlovely. Lord, help us to drink tea with tea drinkers and coffee with coffee drinkers. Help us, Lord, to be, as Paul would say, all things to all men, Lord, that we might win some. So we thank you. We thank you for this day. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honour. We thank you for the church that you've brought us to here at Mackley Church of Christ. And all these people said... Amen.